Let's try this again. Let's see if we can get some audio in here. Um, if you are able to hear me, uh, either one of you folks in chat, please let me know. Um, toss some, some messages out in there. Uh, I was trying out uh, Streamlabs using OBS, and apparently it was not my friend for the night, so I may have recorded several minutes of just absolutely nothing. Um, but eh, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully I'll get a comment. Um, let me pause, post this out there. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Thanks for hanging out for, for all of those technical difficulties. I'll get restarted here for the third time now. Uh, hey, folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellish Podcast. This is a podcast that is focused on product stories, product storytellers, and interesting brand ambassadors, or any other tangent that I happen to come up with. Uh, whether you're a bourbon fan, geek, casual observer, or just someone floating through this channel, you're sure to waste a few minutes listening to what I have to say, and I hope you find it interesting. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists, and if you can't find me on that platform, please send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com, and I'll try to get that taken care of. I also generally live stream the recording of all of these episodes um, on YouTube on Wednesday nights around 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can find all of my links on Instagram at embellishpod or Twitter with the same handle. I have a website. It is www.embellishpod.com. And that is also a place to pick up these links, episode details, and even some one-off tasting notes. Uh, it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving 2021. And we are recording an episode, uh, episode 30, where I am going to talk about what to drink on Thanksgiving, a.k.a. story told in wild turkey offerings or also drunk Thanksgiving. Uh, before we get started, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, thank you guys absolutely for hanging out. Like I said, there's a bit of technical difficulty, it appears. Uh, the, the platform I was trying to use wasn't working so well. I just hopped over here from the Bourbon Junkie stream, so um, I appreciate you guys being here because I guarantee you that that stream is far more interesting than what's going on here. Um, if you get a chance after this, I probably will finish in probably 30 or 45 minutes. Um, Cheech from Whiskey Encore will be doing a live stream. Uh, it's always a fun hangout for that. Uh, coming up, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after, there is the Repeal Day Expo, which is coming up. Um, it's a great event that um, it's, a, it's a great event that Fred Minnick hosts. It um, is an opportunity to watch some people talk about a lot of interesting things. A couple people that I follow and also interact with pretty regularly, Jack from Hood Somalia on Instagram, and then uh, Matt Porter from ADHD Whiskey. They're both uh, going to be presenters, speakers, some sort of uh, lead on that. So go out and pick up tickets. Like I said, I, I did last year's event, and it was pretty fun. Uh, VIP tickets may still be available, and they're going to give out some um, swag to the folks who buy VIP tickets to some degree. You could get invited to some private tastings, things along that lines. Um, this coming weekend on Sunday, uh, and I think that a couple of the folks that are in my chat right now are already familiar with this, but the Chill Filtered podcast is going to be doing their live on Sunday. Uh, it's either 1 or 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember. Uh, they're going to be tasting some Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, if I remember correctly. Um, we're going to have a good time. It's a great opportunity to chit-chat. If you don't already Patreon, Patreon those folks, absolutely hop over and do so. Uh, and you can maybe get some uh, samples couriered to you where you can uh, participate or taste along. But whether you have the, the same beverage or not, it's always a fantastic opportunity to hang out, listen, talk, whatever. 
Um, last Thursday, I had a fantastic opportunity to do a blind, not a blind, uh, a private tasting with Broken Barrel Spirits. And it was actually hosted by the guys over at Bourbon Lens. And uh, it was quite fortuitous. I got an opportunity to sit down with uh, Jake and the team over at Bourbon Lens, taste through some whiskeys that I hadn't had before, one that I had had before. Um, but I got a chance to interact with him the day before he hustled down to Atlanta and brought back to the state of Kentucky the you know finalist uh, of world top world's top whiskey taster um, to the state. So he's you know kind of putting the state on his shoulders, heading down there and going to try to compete for that uh, next week. I will be traveling for work. I'm not sure if I'm going to try to take some of this rig with me and do a live stream from the hotel room, if I'm going to just not do anything, or maybe I'll record something ahead of time and just release a, a video slash podcast for it. Um, the the I guess the, the only thing, I have a couple things left. Uh, one, I did an episode last week where we talked about um, gifts that you can give, some, some good presents that you could give. And I neglected to mention a thing. I hadn't thought about it at the time. Um, but Maker's Mark is always a good gift. Everybody knows who Maker's Mark is. But they're putting out their community batch for 2020. And I don't know if I can get, it'll get the wide on it. The community batch for 2020 is part of the Lee Initiative. Um, it's a really good cause. It's good whiskey. That's what I've been drinking on to start the episode tonight. Um, but it's great whiskey uh, to consume. But it also goes towards a great cause. Uh, if I remember correctly the story, and we'll probably talk about this in a later episode, but just at a high level, the Lee Initiative originally was going to be, uh, this is pre-COVID times, it was a, a participate, uh, it was a collaborative um, project to try to raise money for, I think, diversity and inclusion within the food services industry. Um and then when COVID hit and everybody who works in food services didn't have a job for a year or more, um, they pivoted the sale of these to, to go to benefit them. And we know that those, those particular industries are still widely impacted. So um, it's still a great thing to, to participate. It's a great thing to purchase. It's helping out people. And I think I read where there was over a million people that were fed as a result of the community batch last year. Um, it's a good whiskey. It's a good cause. You know, go go do all those things. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of noticed, I was on a um, live stream with one of the uh, with another YouTube channel the other day, and he was talking about um, how much he enjoyed coming and listening to some of the history and some of the things that I would talk about on my particular um, podcast, and. Um, that he had used to do something very similar. And what he noticed is that people would skip past that part and get straight to the tasting notes and tasting notes are not my strong suit. Um, but what it made me notice is that the last few episodes that I've done have been really easy talk alongs. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, for my particular job and what I do in digital product management. Um, the months of August, September, October are very, very hectic for me. Um, that's when a lot of the sort of the things come due. One of the biggest uh, projects that I have, that's when we have to work through it. So I needed something that was a little bit lighter, a little easier, lower lift to, to be able to, to produce and put out. Uh, but as a result, I've gotten away from some of the history and the product stories. Um, so today, before we get into maybe the more fun part of it, I'm we're, we're going to get back into talking about some of the um, some of the history of stuff. And so, as you saw, hey, Robbie, thanks for showing up tonight. Um, absolutely appreciate you being here. Um, 
working on a new setup. Things have been, it's, it's been a unique evening already. Um, uh, you, you missed out on the no audio for about five or six minutes. So I'm gonna have a lot of trimming to do before I have something that I can edit down to an actual audio podcast. But we'll uh, we'll talk about wild turkey tonight. Um, I've got a series of of bottles that I want to talk about because I'm actually going to pour some samples and take them with me. And I go visit my in laws uh, for Thanksgiving Day. We don't do my my um, my parents and my my brother and his family. We don't do our Thanksgiving until Saturday. Kind of eases some of the load of trying to like visit every single person that you can absolutely um, see during the holidays. So, you know, it'll be a little less, um, a little less hectic for it, but, but, you know, it's still family and you, and you need something to sort of take the edge off. So we're talking about wild turkey tonight. Um, wild turkey traces its history to pre-prohibition, uh, but as a brand, it really doesn't. Um, the, the official brand wasn't created until the mid 1900s, Austin Nichols, um, which, you know, if, if you find any of the older bottles, you'll find Austin Nichols name all over them. Um, they developed a lore around Wild Turkey specifically, and Austin Nichols was an executive, um, and he, I say a, a an executive from Austin Nichols named Thomas McCarthy would take samples from the warehouses that the Austin Nichols company had uh, whenever he would go on turkey hunting trips with his friends, and it was said that the whiskey was so good that they would keep asking him for that wild turkey bourbon. Um, and, you know, the the always watchful marketing human being says, hey, I've got a thing to sell here. And so they created the brand. It, is, it was a non-distiller product. And, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of unique to see one of the staples that is a distiller-based product now began as an NDP. And, you know, because we, we give a lot of shade to that. Um, but they they're they're currently touting one of the longest tenured master stiller, master distillers of all time, which is uh, Mr. Jimmy Russell. Uh, Jimmy Russell obviously has a high degree of notoriety enough so that his name is actually on a label now, and it's not odd to find a distiller's name on a label, but it is odd maybe to find a brand that is uh, named after a master distiller and not an owner. You know, a master distiller of uh, of a product. Now, Jimmy Russell is, you know, significantly older than most master distillers, but he has created a um, generational line. His son has attained the rank of master distiller as well, and they're trying to maintain a degree of control in the Wild Turkey brand. While it is owned by a corporate conglomerate, um, most people will note them as one of the few brands that still has a pretty granular control at the ground level. Uh, another example would be Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark is owned by, I believe, Beam Suntory, um, but they have a, the, the Samuels family still has a high degree of input in what they're doing, and they're not having as many marketing-driven decisions um, that are being made out there. Uh, one of the, I think one of the more interesting things for me that also a lot of whiskey people sort of find slightly gimmicky is that in 2018, um, they at Wild Turkey named a new creative director, and that creative director was none other than Matthew McConaughey. And that seems like a ploy to try to gain some clout or some some um, popularity because of who he is. But there's a series of marketing materials that came out uh, after that that created some really fantastic imagery around Wild Turkey. Uh, something that a lot of people 
still sort of hold as that beverage that people were drinking in college uh, by the handle as opposed to a gentleman sipping whiskey or something that has, you know, a little bit more clout to it. And so he was trying to pivot that, and as a result, you know, he, he created some, some pretty great marketing materials and then also a brand new line called Long Branch. And so now you have Wild Turkey, you have the Kentucky Spirit line, you have the Russell's line, and you have Long Branch. And, and, and they're all being produced by you know Wild Turkey as a company, which I think, if I remember correctly, is owned by Campari. So that's the extent of the history that I want to talk about. What I'm really going to get into is um, talking about what... I intend to drink over Thanksgiving and sort of the why of it. Because like I said, you know, holidays with family can be hard for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's loss, maybe it's familial tension, maybe it's the political climate, political climate whatever. Um, all things, things can be really, really unique. Um, we all have our own special reason to need to take the edge off during our family gatherings. And in lieu of like some commercial grade therapy, a little help from the Russell's family can help ease with that transition. Um, but you got to be careful because, and, and there's this quote that I really, really like um, that is, you know, after the first glass, you see things. This is very, very pertinent to families. But as the first glass, after the first glass, you see things as you wish they were, which is not a bad thing. After a second glass, you see things as they are not. And finally, you see things as they really are. And that is the most horrible thing in the world. Oscar Wilde, Oscar Wilde I think, wrote that about absinthe. But um, whiskey or any spirit can do this. So for my holiday season, for what I'm intending to do here, um, this is my hypothesis. This is how I'm going to try to build my uh, holiday familial experience. And I'll kind of carry you guys with me. So the the first sample that I've poured to take with me is going to be, um, and yes, I absolutely hope to see um, Russell's 13 anywhere. I had an opportunity to try that whenever I was visiting with a friend out in Omaha, and it is fantastic. I don't believe I'll ever see a Russell's 13 on the shelf here in western Kentucky, but if I do, you can guarantee if, if it's even near retail, it will come home with me. But um, the first First uh, first drink that I'll have for Thanksgiving, it'll be tomorrow night, likely. Um, and before I get to it, I'll just kind of give you a backstory here. Um, traditionally, and, and I'm going to catch probably some judgment for this, but traditionally, we usually travel to my in-laws either on Tuesday or Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And along the way, we'll stop and pick up you know food. It's a couple three-hour drive. Um, usually, if I have to work or whatever, you know, we're, we're traveling during dinner time, and we'll hit a drive-through. And there's very few selections. It's a rural area between here and there. Um, oddly enough, you know, it is rural here, it is rural there, and we don't cross through very many large cities between here and there. But we'll stop in a McDonald's or or something along that lines. And it just so happens that Thanksgiving coincides with McRib season, and there's something about that gelatinous, terrible meal that I absolutely thoroughly enjoy. And so I try to limit myself because they're super unhealthy, they're super terrible, they're super whatever. Um, but that's what I'll usually pick up. And so there's a good chance tomorrow on the way there we'll pick it up. Um, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what would I pair with a McRib? And the internet already already gave me this answer. Um, I think it was last year, uh, 
Fred Minnick did a series on trying to pair a McRib with something, and what he found was is that uh, pairing it with a rye works really well. Uh, so tomorrow's pour, while we're tra- not while we're traveling, once we're we're situated somewhere, will be some rare breed rye, an opportunity to have something that's got a little more herbal note to it, something that can cut through this cloying sweetness of a McRib, but. It, it there there's a there's a there, there's a continued holiday story that happens with this. So um, this is before our children were born. So this has been over ten years ago. My wife and I were heading to visit her family. Uh, we stopped at the McDonald's. It's halfway between here and there. And I ordered a McRib. And I always order uh, no onions because um, once you get to a certain age, raw onions are not your friend anymore. Um, what I uh, realize now is I've actually been able to use that to my benefit. Uh, when I was driving uh, a van for a Ragnar race uh, a few weeks ago, um, I needed it to be able to stay awake for a long period of time. And so what I did is I drank a cup of black coffee after 3 p.m. and ate some um, authentic Mexican tacos with raw onions on them. And I knew there's no way I'm getting to bed before 1 or 2 in the morning if I do this to myself with the caffeine and the raw onions. So I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I don't want any onions on this. And, you know, we pull through the drive-thru. They they give us our food. We get a couple miles down the road. My wife's sort of, you know, sorting through things and looking inside the bag. She opens it up, and, and she shows it to me. And inside the box is just a McRib patty, just a plain, plain McRib patty. Um, I tell you what, Robbie, I'll, I'll try to get you some uh, rare breed hit you sent your way. We've got rare breed rye on the shelf pretty cl- pretty close by here. But it was just a plain, regular McRib patty. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work because they're already disgustingly messy to begin with. So I turn the car around. We head back to the McDonald's restaurant. And I go inside and I'm like, hey, um, there's a problem here. You know, I ordered a McRib just with no onions, and this is what I got. And I laid it out on the counter, and the lady behind the counter looks at it. She laughs, and she turns around and walks off and says nothing to me. And so, you know, there's nobody else in the in the lobby of this restaurant. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Most people are already spending time with their family, and we're just on the road or whatever. And I stood there for every bit of what felt like 15 minutes. And it was probably only five because you get impatient when you're waiting on those things. They said nothing to me. They just all were sort of in the, in the back laughing. They never said that they were actually remaking. They remade the sandwich. They brought it out. Everything was fine. We got home. Um, but that's you know sort, sort of a holiday remembrance for me is that um, the McRib plays a role in this time of the season. And the Rare Breed Rye... Um, the rare breed rye is a good way to cut through that and also will likely pair with it because you could potentially get some dill notes and there's lots of pickles on it. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's the first offering that we're going to target for our um, holiday. Once we're down there, we'll get up tomorrow morning, or not tomorrow morning, we'll get up uh, Thursday morning, my in-laws will make coffee. And there is this distinct problem with how we both understand coffee to be made. Um, they want to be able to clearly read a newspaper through their coffee. Like they could clearly make out the features of a person's face on the other side of a glass that might have that coffee in it. Whereas I need mine to be thick and black and bitter. I want it to be dark and bitter like my soul. And, and they don't do that. And so it just tastes thin. And so I started thinking, like, what could I do to, um, what could I do to sort of kick up the flavor? And just tossing whiskey into 
to coffee is not anything that is groundbreaking. Nobody's doing anything um, super unique there. But with wild turkey, there's this opportunity. There's this bottle that is somewhat maligned within the wild turkey realm, but I think that this may be its wheelhouse in in a coffee situation. It is a good opportunity to pour a little bit of wild turkey spiced, and I know I may catch some flack for even having that, even keeping this on my shelf. But it's really not terrible. It's you know it's it's a really sweet beverage, but it'll go well in coffee. It'll add a little uh, flavor to it, and it'll get the day started a little softer than it needs to. Because inevitably, you know, politics, religion, all of those things will um, come up along the way. Absolutely, black as night. I'm with you, Robbie. We want we want coffee to be coffee, and I want water to be water, and I'm not looking for anything in between. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, skim milk or 2% milk. If I can read my newspaper through my milk, I don't want that either. So this the second pour that we're going to have for Thanksgiving, we're going to pour some wild turkey spiced in our coffee in the morning, and we're going to take the edge off. So through the course of the day, you're obviously not trying to go too far because as the quote said earlier, if you get too far, you see the world as it truly is. And, you know, sometimes the, uh, there's the, that, the saying that loose lips, loose lips sink ships. Um, there's a significant opportunity that if you get too far into drinking, um, you, you may have a problem. You may have a problem with something that you say. And you're also going to be snacking. You're going to be snacking the entire time that um, you're hanging out with your family. So you're probably going to want something that's a little bit lighter and a little bit lower proof. And it would have been an easy one to go with uh, regular uh, sub-100 proof wild turkey. But I thought it's a great opportunity to bring in what we were already talking about, the Long Branch. Long Branch uh, being low enough proof, I think we're sitting at 86%, uh, sorry, 86% proof, 43% alcohol by volume. There's not much to it, but there's enough there to kind of keep you going. So we've had some rye on Wednesday night. We've had a little bit of, of, of whiskey in the morning with our coffee. We're still snacking throughout the day, and we usually don't eat until later in the afternoon. So you're looking for something um, for your main event, right? So we've, we've already had a few whiskeys. We need something that's a little more proofy, a little more. Right now, I'm uh, sorry, I'm maybe I didn't cover this. Right now, I'm sipping on the, sorry, thanks. Uh, right now, I'm sipping on the Community Batch from Maker's Mark. It's the 2021, October 2021 Community Batch. I missed out on last year's, but I did pick up this year's. got an opportunity to buy one. Um, like I said, it was a, it's a great cause. It's a, a good charity, and it's a, it's a good whiskey. So now we're to the main event. We're, we're to the time when the ham is ready, and we have ham because... My sister-in-law doesn't like turkey, and so we obviously can't have it. Um, but I'm in Tennessee, and th- there, there's a problem with being in Tennessee as you're, if you're a Kentuckian is that um, quite obviously Tennessee is beneath us, um, geographically speaking, but for a lot of other things. you know, like We, we try to make sure that we are um, educationally above them however we can. Um, but the, we're, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of football season, so it's inevitably going to be a discussion of like how good Tennessee do, is doing and how bad University of Kentucky is doing. And I honestly am not invested in either of those conversations significantly. I don't 
uh, watch a whole lot of college football. College basketball is where, of course, we're from Kentucky, right? College basketball is where we land, and I'm still technically not even a University of Kentucky fan, but because I'm in foreign territory, because I am in behind enemy lines, I, I might as well have something that has the Kentucky name on it, and Wild Turkey has me taken care of here. I, I can I can bring out some Kentucky spirit. I can bring out some Kentucky, Kentucky spirit. It's a single barrel. It's going to have some some decent proof to it. We're going to be at that 101. Um, it's going to help cut through some of the sweetness and the thickness of everything. But it's going to have some pepper and some dryness and all those things that's going to that's going to cut through it. Um, it might even pair well at dessert time because you know you're going to have you know some pecan or nut flavors or, or whatever, right? But it's going to work well against deviled eggs. It's going to work well against ham or turkey or whatever you happen to be, and it's going to keep um, keep the edge off. It's going to keep you going. Um, So, we've made it through the meal. Hopefully, by this point in time, no one has done anything. No one has uh, committed any direct familial atrocities. Nobody's introduced politics or religion. We're still just kind of laying around and enjoying ourselves. Um, wh- what do you do, right? We we're 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 trying to look for something that is dessert, desserty, without adding actual dessert to it because you've already eaten all of these things. So this is the time whenever you have an opportunity to drink something, you potentially have an opportunity to tell a story, and this is where I land on the very last one. And I haven't had this bottle until very, very recently, and I I won't even lie. um, I wasn't super understanding of what the Whiskey Baron series was. Um, But we're going to stick with, for this one, um, the WB Saffle. Whiskey Baron series. So for those of you that are like me, um, don't know a whole lot about it, um, over about a, over 100 years ago, uh, Kentucky bourbon was made, this is the, the wild turkey uh, marketing here, that technically was, uh, I think, the parent company was the one that kind of pushed this out, but it's wild turkey juice at this point. Um, yeah, so th- this is the last drink of the night. This is the special drink of the night. Is the w- WB Saffle, the Whiskey Baron series. They're tougher to find. They're no- they only made, I think, 1,500 bottles of each offering of it, and this is batch one that we have. Um, uh, whiskey was made by people that had a different kind of attitude initially, and those people became considered to be barons. And so um, picking up on that, never missing an opportunity, like I said, you know, Wild Turkey is born out of not missing an opportunity to be a marketing genius and saying, oh, that Wild Turkey bourbon, let's turn this into a brand story. Uh, They picked up these stories of these whiskey barons, and specifically for W.B. Saffle, um, he came to fame in the late 19th century. He was a distiller, a judge, a politician, um, and after all of those things, Saffle decided that he wanted to start his own distillery specifically. And he did this in the late, late 1800s. Um, but his name is sort of lost to the, to the history books 
uh, for most whiskey uh, aficionados. And so Wild Turkey comes along, and they pick up this name, and they also pick up Bond and Lillard. And I had an opportunity to try some Bond and Lillard a couple, Lillard a couple of years ago. That's a, that is a tongue twister. Bond and Lillard a couple of years ago. Um, and I did, like I said, I didn't know anything about it, but it ended up being some some pretty good whiskey. But um, Saffles whiskey was, you know, touted as a sour mash whiskey. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Sour mash is what most um, what most whiskeys are because you don't have to be as clean to be sour mash. And uh, specifically in this time frame, um, they knew that leaving some of the back set in place made whiskey making easier. They just didn't know why. They didn't understand the complete science behind it. They just said, oh, we do this step because we're supposed to do this step. So his bourbon was popular past his death. It had, you know, it rivaled brands like Cedarbrook and um, the the distillery continued on till Prohibition. And then obviously, like many other brands, it died after Prohibition. Um, it, it was it was sort of tattered and, and the building was lost to time and all of that. But they, they create these this fantastic little little you know portable bottle it's got enough of the information on it um, but there's a story here so not only do we have the ability to have something that is delicious and sweet or at least it is to me um, it's it's got uh, rich and desserty there's a history that's to it there's something that you can talk about whenever you would want to do no moving around but talking is okay you've got a story you got some lore. You got something that has absolutely nothing to do with religion or politics or family crises or any of those things that might um, make you reluctant to spend more time with your family. So for me, that's the final pour of the whole thing. And you know, because we usually turn around and come back on Friday, uh, you don't want to keep going until the middle of the night. And none of these range significantly high proofed. I th- you know, the wild, the the rare breed rye was at 112 proof. It was the stoutest, and it was the Wednesday night pour with the McRib, something to to knock the edge off of it. But it's a great opportunity to you know share. I've got a brother-in-law. If he decides he wants to try some, he can absolutely try any of these things. Um, but Wild Turkey, in and of itself, is a story, is a storied brand that is not significantly historical. It has historical ties, but it didn't exist until the '40s. And so this is you know this is this is pretty good because the story of Thanksgiving as we know it today. And and Robbie, you can back me up as an educator. My wife's an educator. The story of Thanksgiving as we know it today does not match reality, but it's what we sell, it's what we buy, it's what we uh, continue on. And, and in the same way that the long history of wild turkey is really only about 60 or 70 years old when and compared to some of the other brands, but it can trace its its way much, much farther back. So that's sort of where I, I land on what I want to try, what I want to do. Um, you know that's that's the the wild turkey drunk Thanksgiving a story told in turkey offerings for me. Um, the last thing I think I have for tonight, um, we're gonna we're gonna cut short, not cut short. We're gonna cut at this point. Um, if you have an opportunity, uh, we're we're doing this thing with our children at the end of December, but the here in the United States, and I know um, one of you guys is in Australia, so you may not have this opportunity. Um, 
there is this immersive Van Gogh experience that's going on all across the United States. It's an opportunity for you to go and be a part of painting, uh, art, you know, all, all of these wonderful things. We're taking our children to go do this at the end of, of December. Um, but look around. See where you can find one of these. Um, it's a fantastic experience. We need more things like that in the world and less things like, I don't know, social media. Um Go give that a shot. And that probably made a really loud noise, I just realized, uh, sliding that across the table. Um, yep, tradition. Yeah, thank you, Robbie, for being here tonight. I think all of you guys for being here tonight. This is, this is super great. Uh, three concurrent viewers is three times as many as I normally have. Um, uh, the, the channel has had a little bit of growth in the last week or so. Um, we're rapidly approaching one year of recording. Uh, I'm going to try to maybe toss a couple of extra episodes out a week during the Christmas holiday to try to get it to where whenever I hit one year, I'll have 52 episodes in 52 weeks. Um, problem with that is, is that I had to take a break, uh, in the middle of the summer a little bit because work was getting a little too hectic and I wasn't able to do one a week like I had been doing before. Um, but we're going to probably... I'll probably give away some things. Got some things that I want to um, send out to some folks. Maybe a, a uh, we can see what I have. Like maybe a Weller Special Reserve or uh, some other thing. Whatever I happen to come up with. I found a, a place up near Central Kentucky that sells some dusty whiskey, and maybe I can find some little minis to to get rid of uh, something along that lines. But I appreciate everybody for being here um, tonight and kind of suffering through this this story that I have. Um, thank you for joining me tonight or today or whenever you happen to rewatch this. If you do rewatch this, I hope you found this episode entertaining and maybe you have a better plan of attack for helping to keep the edge off of this holiday season as we gather with our families. If you did, or even if you didn't like what you heard tonight, please leave me a review on whatever platform you're on. Um, and leave a comment if possible. Uh, hit me up on social media, Twitter, Instagram, you know, embellish pod is where I am everywhere. Give me a follow. You can keep up with what's going on here and any potential, you know, giveaways or any of those things. Uh, like I said earlier, I can be found at www.embellishpod.com. Uh, all of my links are there. Accounts, contract, de contact details, uh, may be back again next week. Not entirely sure. Um, until then, cheers, and uh, absolutely thank you for hanging out, especially you guys in the chat. Y'all are fantastic. I appreciate it.